As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello. Welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. We talk about Blizzard's games because, well, we like doing that. That's what we do. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week are two magnificent ghosts, uh, Alex Zebart and Ann Stickney. I'd like to stress magnificent. If you're told they're anything other than magnificent, that's not true. First up, Ann. Ann, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I'm doing magnificently. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Splendid. Everything is Splendid. <laughs> Everything is beautiful. Or oh, something, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, I've been working on shipyard missions. Shipyard ah, yeah, missions. Shipyard. And Tanan, and I finally got like the, the piece that Cadgar was looking for, that map thing. I got it on my first try. I've been waiting you forever should, for that thing to pop. You should ask the question that you asked us before the show so that people watch, listening to this can possibly think about it. Yeah. About the I'm wondering I'm wondering if this is like normal or not, but when I'm doing my shipyard missions, right, you can buy the upgrades for, for your ships and you could swap them in and out. So if you need a particular mm-hmm. piece of equipment for a ship for a particular mission, you could just go buy it with garrison resources, pop it on the ship and then cool. And if you have to replace it later, you can go ahead and do that. No big deal, except that it keeps it. It depends on. I don't even know what it depends on. It's just random. Every now and again, pieces that I have unlocked, equipment that I have unlocked, it will show up as red, and I can no longer purchase it because it's locked. Even though I have, un- I have unlocked it. Um, well, the last one today, I-, I went to buy like the high fog light beam things, which I know I got because I killed the rare for it, and I turned in the thing, and I've bought a piece of that equipment before. When I went to purchase it, it said, this is locked. I'm like, well, that's weird. So I flew back out to Tanan, found the rare again, killed it again, got the quest again, took it back again. And this is all something that I did, like, not more than a week or two ago. And it unlocked it all again. That's really strange. Yeah, it's very bizarre. It's very strange. So I don't... And some of them show up as red, but I can still purchase them. And some of them show up as red, but I can't purchase them. But I was able to purchase them like three days ago. It's just all kerfuffled. I don't know. Yeah. So basically, if you're listening and that's happening to you, uh, let us know and possibly report it to Blizzard so they can fix it. Somebody says it's a bug if you're on a mount that you get off of the mount and you click it off and you click him again. Okay. Weird. Weird, but all right. Uh, Alex, what's up with you? Oh, am I on this podcast? Yes, you yes, are. Yes, you are. Uh, hi, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Uh, I'm still playing Heroes of the Storm, waiting for new World of Warcraft content. It's Soon. Just, Heroes of the Storm 
it's just I mostly play versus AI because it's a really good chill game. You're playing against the AI, you don't have to stress too much. Mm-hmm. You know, you can play a ten minute game, then you're done. If you want to do another one, you can do another one. It's great for relaxing. And until there's something to do in WoW, Heroes has me. Who is your favorite character? Depends on the day. Usually, because you get daily quests in Heroes. So it's, if I get a daily quest to play as a warrior, I'm like, oh, what hero do I feel like playing today? That is a warrior. Or uh, today my daily quest was play two games as a Warcraft hero. And it's like, oh, well, I haven't finished leveling Stitches to level five, so I'll do a couple games of Stitches. And that was pretty great. It's uh, There's a lot of variety. And if you're playing AI, your hero choices don't matter as much as if you're getting really competitive. Mm-hmm. So it's it's yeah it's really nice to de-stress with Heroes of the Storm. Well, I'm going to use that as a good segue opportunity because one of the first pieces of news that we have to talk about today is that Artanis is going live in Heroes of the Storm. He uh, he is already live for the people who pre-ordered Legacy. For a general public, he will be tomorrow. It's so tomorrow. Yeah. If if you haven't pre-ordered Legacy of the Void, I mean I'm I'm actually on the fence about pre-ordering it. I might actually get it. As I'm and I'm not really a big StarCraft player. I like the lore, but I'm not particularly interested in the gameplay. But uh, I actually might pick this one up. I'm that interested. It's the so, end. Yeah. It's the end. That's that's. I mean. I mean, I don't know what it's the end of though. Like is it the end of StarCraft entirely? I doubt that. So it's the end of the story they've been telling for a while now, and it'll lead into whatever they do next. Which, who knows what that'll be. It took them how many years to go out with StarCraft 2? Long time. So, yeah, um, I mean? me being the grumpy one is almost comical at this point, and that I can complain about everything, but um, I felt like this, the story of StarCraft lost its spark in Wings of Liberty, and I haven't really... I didn't play Heart of the Swarm. I, I didn't really want to follow that story anymore, even though I love Star, original StarCraft and Brood War. I loved that story. I loved all that stuff. Wings of Liberty just didn't do it for me. I'm not yeah, into I, it anymore. I haven't been interested, except that I'm really interested in the Protoss. So that's fair. Now that the Legacy of the Void seems like the the time for me to possibly get real serious about it. Lots and but lots yeah. and lots of Protoss stuff. Did you guys see the comic they came out with? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was actually very interested. Number I one, I liked the comic and it was really beautifully done. Number two, they finally came out with an in-browser comic reader. I'm so excited. Because with every other uh, Warcraft comic they've done, you've had to like download it as a PDF and then you open it and whatever. I don't think their comic web comic reader is perfect, but it was no, cool it's to not. See it. But it's better. It's better than nothing at all. <laughs> I mean, what was strange to me is I it, the pages were longer than my monitor, so to read it, I still had to scroll up and down and also turn the page. There's with like the a web zoom, interface? There's a zoom in the um, upper right-hand corner. Yeah, I, I was talking to some people about this. There's a zoom control in the upper right-hand corner where you can zoom in and zoom out on a page. Okay. Yeah. That would help because it was so weird. It's like, okay, you gave me a comic reader, except I still have to scroll and also use the actual interface in the web. It was very clunky. But if you can zoom, maybe they just need a different default setting. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, because their default setting was huge. <laughs> Yeah, it really was. So, okay. Also, uh, this week, in fact, if by the time you're listening to this, if you're not listening to it when we stream it, uh, this may have already happened. The Overwatch beta is scheduled to open tomorrow. Uh, as far as I know, I'm not in it. Specifically, so, I think they said it's starting, the way they phrase it, it's starting on October 27th in the Pacific time zone. So it's probably starting at you know midnight Pacific. So yeah. within a few hours as of the time of this recording. So. Uh, you, either are you excited about that, think you might get in, hoping to get in, anything like that? I'm signed I, up to get in. I don't know if I'm actually gonna, but... 
I'm signed up for it, but I'm kind of getting a feeling that they're just inviting YouTubers and Twitch streamers to it in this round. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I've seen some streamers already mention that they're in, and they have apparently known about this for at least a week, it seems like. And if they've known that they're in, it seems like there aren't going to be a lot of people who don't know that they're in so getting a that surprise. Would... They'll probably be told by now. In most cases. That makes sense. Well, if I get in, I'm really looking forward to playing Winston. So, there you go. There's actually a few others. It's the one I'm most interested in. Symmetra, man. Symmetra was the one I found my groove with when I played at BlizzCon. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I wasn't there, so... I mean, if I don't get in, I will be disappointed. I hope I get in at some point. I've been well, I mean, eagerly you... awaiting this game. Yeah, even if you don't get in, though, like, in a couple of weeks, you get to play it at BlizzCon anyway. It's yeah. very likely, you know. I'm hoping I but, get to yeah. play it at BlizzCon. I didn't get a chance to play it last year, so I haven't actually put my hands on this game yet. <laughs> I really want to. I just, I was interested in, in Tracer's uh, gameplay because it's, you know, it's interesting. I like the idea of porting around the battlefield and reversing time a little bit. That's yeah. kind of fun. I noticed that the characters I'm most interested in are the ones that seem like they have superpower-ish abilities. Like Tracer, mm-hmm. Symmetra. They seem like they are actual like, superheroes. Whereas most of the characters I'm finding are just people with guns. Is Symmetra the one that's always in purple? No, Symmetra is the one. She's from India and has the blue dress and creates oh, yeah. like, hard light constructs. Okay, yes. What's who? Who's the gal? The one that's in per- that's like a sniper. That's Widowmaker. Okay, Widowmaker. Yeah. I want to play her because <laughs> I'm like, ooh, sniper stuff. That looks really fun. <laughs> um, somebody in chat just asked, "You mean you guys aren't auto invited due to fan site connections?" Um, no. We just... <laughs> well, that's definitely sarcasm, which I understand. But actually, it seems like Blizzard has been moving away from fan sites and more going to streamers twitch is seems to be their go-to place i mean uh, i can't entirely blame them hearthstone and here's of the storms are, got their popularity from twitch but i think they noticed that and they're going to twitch streamers to show off their new games more so than fan sites and yeah, that makes sense i mean uh, would i like to get a beta invite because i'm on a fan site yeah sure i mean that'd be fantastic but and i but i i can't really blame them for their marketing going where they know they're going to get eyeballs on the game yeah. characters i'm interested in are farah reaper mercy and zarya and tracer i believe and winston of course reaper link too winston is a gorilla so that's pretty much it right there yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm not sure i finished my train of thought maybe i did maybe didn't but it, it feels like um i expected overwatch to have a lot more like the super super powered stuff you know like superheroes mm-hmm. with powers and cool things and it seemed like with tracer being the mascot and characters like Symmetra, they were going to do a lot of that. But most of them, it seems like, oh, I'm just somebody with a gun, and it's a new kind of gun. And uh, I guess that makes sense, because it's a first-person shooter, but I was expecting something a little bit different. I'm still excited. It's just not yeah. what I Well, they haven't had do. the entire cast of Heroes put out yet, either, so... No, but the ones that they're releasing are increasingly, I'm just somebody with a gun, or I am somebody with a grenade, or I am somebody with a rocket. Or whatever it is Lucio does. Uh, I am that Lucio is the one that made me notice it actually because he has he essentially has supersonic powers like Black Canary and characters like that except his is just a speaker gun like my 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 power as a hero is I have a speaker in my hand <laughs> but eh, whatever I mean I still think he's cool like, he's a cool dude he's just who what made me realize oh they're probably not actually doing superpowers despite having sp- I like the teleport thing though that Tracer does I think that looks pretty neat I was also interested in just how that works. So uh, I guess final bit of news. Um, 
isn't really like new news, but it's something we'll probably keep mentioning until it happens. BlizzCon is ever closer. I actually feel like with BlizzCon announcements, I feel like Grover doing the monster at the end of this book. It's like every you know, and BlizzCon still coming. You know, it is still coming. It's not. It's not going to stop. It just keeps. Coming. I'm going to be on the road a week from tomorrow. I have yeah. so much stuff to do before I actually get on the road, and I forgot. Well, I didn't forget. It's just, it's like, wow, that kind of crept up on me, and I should probably start all this advanced prep. I've, I think I've moved, moved past the point where I'm either grumpy or excited for BlizzCon. What I'm looking toward now is how angry I'm going to be when my flight inevitably gets screwed up again. Hey, it was fine last year. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Your yeah, his flight, flight home his was flight... great. Flight home? With the flight to you? Remember all no. the rescheduling we had to do? Oh, yeah. The flight that part was, was so not bad. There was, it was a Twitter apocalypse, Alex's flight. I remember doing the queue the day after, and people, like, I, I literally had to address it. I had to address Alex's flight in the queue. Wasn't last it was year? Bad. Wasn't last year the year where my flight was so delayed, I decided to spend 100 bucks to get a day bed at a yes. hotel? And then and, I showed up. And then they gave somebody else my room <laughs> while I was asleep. Somebody just walks in is like, uh, hey, man. Like, Dude, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that was, that that, was you last tweeted year. It too. You live tweeted your experience with strange man who came into your room. And everyone was like, is Alex okay? I was like, he's fine. As I recall, I called him Big Texas. Yeah, yeah you did. Like that, yeah. <laughs> My flight never goes well for me. So that's what I'm actually dreading the flight. BlizzCon, I'm neutral on at this point. I don't want to fly because it's going to suck again. I put in your name and the words Big Texas and your Twitter account immediately came up. Wow. <laughs> Just so you know, it was apparently that important. There we go. So yeah, this so, yes. year I'm doing the road trip solo. Be fun. I'm going to take that. Now that, now that we've done the news bit, uh, Ann, I believe you have something to say. Well, yeah, I have something to say. For you guys, the, list, the people that are listening to Blizzard Watch, um, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And Rossi, I think you have a rec. Yes? Yes, I do. Uh, one of my friends is a guy named Pete, Pete Mylan, and he narrates a ton of audiobooks. Uh, and I can recommend pretty much all of them because, A, he's an amazing performer, and B, uh, he does he works in genre fiction, generally speaking. So this week I'm going to recommend Hugh Mon, Private Detective. It's spelled H-U-G-H, then, you know, M-O-N-N. And it's a future spy, it's a future private detective, kind of like Marlowe meets um, Futurama, sort of. Okay. It, it's you know it's kind of interesting and it's you know uh, Lee Houston wrote the book. It, it I you know it's really in my opinion it's really good. I really enjoy it. Uh, it's very aware of the of the genre, both the the private detective genre and the science fiction you know the gritty science fiction thing that it's doing, and it's it's it knows its tropes and plays with them. It's 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 a lot of fun and it's a you know it's it's actually performed. It's not just somebody reading it to you going. Even in the future, dames still need help. Criminals still need capturing, and men still hire out to do both. <laughs> it's it's actually done. It's like it's really my, my friend's really good. It's so. done like a radio play type thing. Well, not it's just one guy, but it's yeah, just one guy. He, but, he, he okay. does he does voices. He does yeah. everything. I mean, a good narrators make audiobooks awesome. Like I mean, there are every now and then you run into an audiobook where they are pretty monotone, but when they actually put some some work into it, it completely changes the book experience. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So that's my recommendation for the week. Uh, Human Private Detective. You can find that on Audible. Cool. Okay. And where can they sign up for that, Anne? You can sign up for that at blizzardwatch.com slash audible. Yes? Correct. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> on to the emails. 
We have done we have done well. Our overload is pleased. Okay. Uh, first email is actually huge, so I have to scroll down to the bottom and see that it's Wonderbolt from Zuljin, and then scroll back up so I can actually read his email. Greetings, it's Council so of the long. Three. Yeah. <laughs> greetings. It's greetings, Council of the Three Hammers. Uh, a lot of people have been complaining about Warlords of Draenor recently, but I think that's just because it's the end of the cycle and there's not very much going on. <laughs> the same thing happened at the end of Mr. Pandaria. At least let me get through the email, okay? <laughs> I'm going to mute myself. First, Go right ahead. First, the story. It petered out after level 100, and I think that's because there were no interim story patches between 6.0 and 6.2, like in every previous ex- expansion. 6.0 set up all the story, and 6.2 was the payoff. Agree slash disagree? However, gameplay-wise... Warlords of Draenor has been the best expansion ever, right? We got upgraded models. Remember those? Nobody else seems to because no one's talked about it, even though there was a huge deal. We got the stat squish that made all the content easier. We eliminated ninja and quest objectives and resource nodes with the mine and, gar- and garden. We got the garrison, which was you know fantastic before everybody burned out on them. And hey, WoW players burning out on something after doing it too much, that never happens. We got the WoW token for people who with lots of gold or people who with lots of money. We, while you've been complaining about the focus on raiding based on a uh, moose, uh, Blizzard implemented, so uh, Blizzard's, uh, implemented Valor, which mostly comes from Mythic Dungeons, the lowest form of raiding and uh, doing the weekly quests. Those weekly quests, you'll note, have no rating at all. The focus for, for them is, is arenas, battlegrounds, pet battles, dungeons, and Tanan, the, the Apexus event. They are, they've been many times... What, well, they've been many times? They've been many times there, that Blizzard there has... There have been many okay, times. Okay, there have been. Okay, thank you. There have been many times that Blizzard has reiterated on things to do in in-game that don't involve raids, so please don't go around thinking and telling other people that Blizzard only cares about raiding. I guess I'd like it if more people concentrated on all the good that Warlords brought instead of on a few missteps. Sorry, slash rant. Thanks, Wonderbolt. Okay, well, the reason I included this email was because I know a lot of people, actually, who feel this way. Uh, quite a few people on my on my Twitter feed, people I talk to, um, they actually really like Warlords. That's been their favorite expansion in a lot of ways. And I wanted to, like, you know, just because I don't agree with them doesn't mean I don't want to share their opinion. I want people to have that discussion. I think, to be fair... I really enjoyed Warlords for a chunk of time. Uh, the problem I had is the problem I've had, I think, from the beginning. And it is the thing he mentions, or she. I don't know your gender, I apologize. But the, the mention that there's, you know, at the story, it petered out after level 100, and I think that's because there was no interim story patches. That's exactly my problem. And I think the problem is is that we're comparing it to the expansion before it. And Miss of Pandaria, if anything, threw story patches. It flung them. They were everywhere uh, i i'm gonna at this point i'm gonna tag in Anne and alex to talk because i feel like i'm talking a lot you guys you guys remember mists having a lot of patches right yeah i mean i think there was a point where they came so we've had this conversation where they came so quickly that people were hoping that blizzard pulled it together and like that was going to be standard and then we realized oh they released a bunch of them really fast and then there was nothing but yeah, warlords from, it yeah. feels like there was just nothing I mean, the first yeah. content patch, they went back and went, ooh, maybe we shouldn't have called that a content patch. Yeah, well, 6.1 didn't even, yeah, it had no content. It had the, the selfie camera and a bunch of uh, it was, like, all it your was life upgrades. Garrison fix, fix me up stuff. Yeah, and n- not that that's bad. I mean, it's not bad to have those in a patch. The problem is, is that when you get two patches total in an expansion and one of them is effectively nothing, it, it doesn't you start to get like really antsy. I honestly feel like a lot of people are still the, the, the problem with warlords isn't even necessarily warlords problem. The problem with warlords is that 14 months at the end of Mr. Pandaria that yeah. burned people hard and they, they go, they didn't get over being burned out 
when they came into this expansion. A, a lot of us, I mean, I, I was at the, at the end of Mists of Pandaria, the very sight of Siege of Orgrimmar made me tremble. So, and I'm terrified at this point Anne isn't here. I'm here. Okay. I'm just being quiet and letting you guys just, talk. I think at this point we should let you go because <laughs> I, I know you're going to have a response. I, I just, I, I have, don't. My, my concern is for their last point of their email. So let me know when we get there. <laughs> when we get there. Okay. My, my issue ties into, you know, the story part of it. And, and that's very much, it's a personal thing because that's why I play these games is I want to see the story. Missa Pandaria delivered more story in one expansion than I think we've gotten in any expansion. It was so far above Cataclysm in terms of developed story and how that story was delivered to us that it kind of set an expectation. And then Warlords of Draenor, it felt like it was meeting that expectation when you were leveling to level 100. But once you hit level 100, it just evaporated. And for me, that, that's why I play these games. I, I, like, I like digging up the story. I like seeing what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Why are these guys doing this other thing? You know, it's not so much about the PvP or the dungeons or the things like that. The dungeons, I could do the dungeons once and be happy as long as I absorbed all the story that was available in those particular dungeons. Same goes with raids. Do I do them over and over again? Yeah, sure, why not? It gives me something to do, but it's not something that like really excites me. And I think that's part of the reason I've kind of gravitated towards playing other RPGs with this expansion in particular, just because I'm not getting that story from here. So I'm going to go find something that'll give me something to think about because that's personally, that's what I go for. Um, I would, I would be willing to argue that cataclysm actually dealt quite a bit of story. Yeah, it did after its initial patch. Right. But I still don't think that it delivered quite as much or as on, as big a scale as Miss of Pandaria did. No, Mr. but it, Pandaria del- it delivered more than either. this. Oh, no, I'm just saying than, it delivered more, more than, than this. Warpers? Yeah, it did. I mean, yeah, I don't think we've did. had an expansion that I don't think we've had an expansion that that failed in this particular way ever. Like even Burning Crusade, Wrath of Lich King, Cataclysm, and Mists all had way more story than this one. It's it, it for me personally. That's a lot of the reason that I play the game. That's a lot of the reason why I like playing the game is because I'm really invested in the... I mean, I write a lore column every week. Of course, I'm invested in the story of it. So when we hit level 100 and, you know, I I was going in with the expectation. I was told, oh, yeah, you're going to see stuff similar to the patch 5.1 content, which is... That was like my favorite. Hands down. I love that stuff. We got story all the time. Only you couldn't... You only got these quests. You got these like tiny little quest chains once a week. And that was it. And it took like maybe an hour to do them. And then you were done until the following week. And in between that, it was like, well, you could go do this Apexis daily or you could go do this other daily. But those dailies, there's no story involved with them. It's just go kill these dudes, collect these things, call it a day, which I guess is kind of fun for mindless killing and stuff. I can have something up on Netflix on the second monitor and actually pay attention to something that matters. But to me, it just fell really flat and really hollow now that's not my only problem the the bigger problem that i have with this is that i know they can do better they just finished delivering better to us so there's just this general kind of disappointment because i know that they're capable of better than what they handed over story-wise and i don't know what happens there but i'm kind of hoping we don't see that in warlords um and again, you know, I will reiterate that is a personal, 
preference thing. Obviously, everybody's got things that they like to do. There are people that like to PvP all day long. PvP is not really my bag anymore. It used to be, not so much anymore. There are people that like to raid all day long. I was one of those people last expansion. I just decided to go ahead and take a break from raiding this expansion. I figured, okay, I'll step down. I'll work on my other projects, that kind of thing. There will be plenty for me to do because there was plenty for me to do in Mists. That I should not have assumed. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't think that the letter is wrong that there was good stuff about Warlords. I, I don't. Yeah, there was. I don't think anyone's accusing. I don't think anyone's accusing Blizzard of not knowing how to make an MMO. Because, you know, I mean, I kind of have the leveling experience in, in, in Warlords was still like, a, a, you know, I stand for that was the best leveling experience I have yeah. ever had I mean, in this game. You know, I do, I do take uh, umbrage with some of the items on this list here as far as game improvements, uh, like eliminating resource nodes. I mean, is that I wouldn't say it's positive. Uh, the mine and the garden, I would think, are the most unnecessary parts of the garrison. They, they contribute to no they, nothing to do in the world. I mean, it it yeah, caused that I, problem I, that the garrison supplies all. I, I wrote when I wrote my garrison postmortem. Uh, one of the things I said was that I thought that what made the garrison good for leveling, the fact that it was such a good central location, worked against it at level 100 because when you're leveling, you have a forcible reason to go out. You have a reason to leave your garrison and go do things in the world, namely the experience you have to gain to get to your next level. When you take that, when you're at level 100, you're done. There's no more leveling to do. And with the other carrot and stick approaches, you know, null and void, you can pretty much do, you know, at least most of every profession you want. You can completely resource gather, even if you don't have resource gathering professions. Yeah. You know, it's just the garrison is very strong. It's very robustly designed, but in some ways it's too robustly designed. It's too overpowering and it lacks... It gives you absolutely lacks, everything, you know, which is like super convenient that it gives you everything. But at the same time, why would you ever leave it? <laughs> and, and that's the thing is you're, not, you're supposed to be like effectively you're supposed to be a warlord of Draenor. You know, that's the thing people don't really get. You're supposed to be leading a war effort, but which means you should like be it. going to do it. No, instead, yeah. I'm sending people to go do things, Tanan, which I guess is what Tanan Tanan general actually is like, feels but. like it, though, because you go out there in Tanan and there's all kinds of things to do. That, you know, yeah. I, I do like Tanan. I like playing around in Tanan. It's just, you know, for all the things that there are to do in Tanan, not too many of them have like a, a general story. Like, there's like a lot of interesting areas where it's like, hey, the Sargeri are, are camped up here. Man, I wish I knew some more about them. And hey, there's totally. a named mob up here. Man, I wish that person had like some kind of something behind them so that, you know, there's. There's just an absence of plot in Tanan, which it, it's a minor thing, but it but it it's one of those things that I look for. Uh, we got the stat squish that made older content easier. Is that a feature? I mean, is that like a high Plus point? It, of it's not even true. Um, the stat the squish, stat didn't squish make... is because they were the numbers are getting big enough that they were breaking things. The reason that the older content got a little easier is quite simple. They knew that when they did the stat squish, that if they didn't put in a mechanic to let you solo old content the way you could at level 90, that we wouldn't be able to do it because gear doesn't get powerful that way anymore. I have like to tell here. you, though, I have to tell you, looking at the list that he's got here, I I am so happy with those upgraded models. They are so far above what the vanilla models were, and I'm so I, glad that we got those this time around. Like, I'll it's, say I'm in general happy with them. Generally speaking, I think they're pretty awesome. I just the like problem- that, that 
I rolled a character, and that character has facial expressions now. It's just, it's really cool. <laughs> the only problem I have with them is some of the skin colors d- did not translate, and I think that's a, an issue that they kind of haven't bothered. It wasn't just the skin colors either. I mean, they were just outright, people's faces didn't translate. Yeah. Like, they just didn't look right. And rolling a new character works fine, but rolling, like, the older one that you brought in didn't always look right. And I think they basically just made the barbershop able to change stuff and called it a day. Yeah. Yeah, I and like I understand being able why. to tweak it, though. And I also like being able to tweak, you know, if I don't like something, I can tweak just about anything at the barbershop now, which I think is great. Because the barbershop was one of those features that they introduced and it was a really cool idea. And then they just never really did anything with it after that. So the fact that they allow you to change, like, your face, what your face looks like at the barbershop, to me, that's like, yes, giant improvement. Thank you. Thank you for giving me something here. If I don't like how something turned out, I can go back and I can tweak it for a little gold. I, I will say this. Um, whether or not other people think it's content, and I've had this argument with people, I am the world's biggest fan of time walking. I love I think time, time walking. walking is great. I want more of it. I want to see it you know, expanded to every aspect of the game. I'm, I am that guy. So I'll give you time walking, which you didn't even mention, really. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I'll, time walking, I think, is brilliant. The the, so, so the one thing that really gets me, though, because uh, even Blizzard devs have said this, I think, on Twitter or the forums or somewhere, that the re-implementation of Valor is apparently for people who do dungeons, and I don't get that. Why do people who do dungeons want Valor? Like, the Valor point just gives you eye-level upgrades, and if you can do dungeons, you can already do the dungeons, and you can keep doing the dungeons, and you don't need more eye-level for the next expansion, because you can already do it. It seems like the people who would benefit from this are the raiders who can't clear these raids yet, but will get that buff that'll help it's, them clear it before Legion. It's actually also good for Mythic Dungeons. Yeah. Mythic Dungeons, uh, your gear, making your gear better can actually get to them. Mythic Dungeons are actually surprisingly challenging. They're I've, fun. I've played, I've run a few now. You you don't want to try and pug that. No. But but it but feels a, like, for, it feels like, I mean, you can't just bulldoze through a dungeon there. You actually have to plan and you have to think about you know, CC and things like that that you didn't necessarily did. have to think about in a regular dungeon. I did the, I think, Skyreach, the one that's the Arakoa dungeon. Yeah. I did that one with, like, three warriors in the group. Oh, that dang. was that, We got <laughs> through it. We actually finished it. The last the last fight actually wasn't too bad, but the, the, the fight with the bird monster boss, Rukon, who comes down and does all the stuff, and it's just, oh, my God, that fight. That fight with three warriors is just agonizing. I did, um, well, I've done most of them. I I haven't done Grim Rail Depot on Mythic, and that's probably a good thing. <laughs> but uh, I, I think my favorite was, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the dungeon, the one with all the Batani in it. Oh, right, Everbloom. Everbloom, thank you. I went and did that one, and that one was brutal if you didn't CC. It was, it was actually, it, I felt useful, like, I felt useful playing a rogue because they'd tell me to sap something and I'd go sap it or I could blind something if, if, you know, it popped out of CC. You know, I had, I, I had use. I wasn't Maybe just I'm there just to too hit. Maybe I'm casual for this expansion. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that well, could be I don't because think, when Mythic they is really, Mythic is not non-casual. You just need five people. Yeah. I mean, that know what they're doing, you know. When they announced Mythic Dungeons, I'm like, why would I want that? <laughs> I already have two difficulties to do it on. It's fun. I've already done them. Uh, I don't, I mean, my guild isn't active. Right? Like, I'm not in a big guild. If you if you say I can't pug something, that means I have to go find a guild. Okay. So, But I, I think the basic premise here is just that there is stuff about Warlords that's good, and we're not trying to say there isn't. It's just that, you know, 
after a while, the, the things that are bad, you kind of need to mo- point them out and repoint them out because Blizzard tends to go like Blizzard is an awful lot like a car being driven by somebody that only understands they can turn the wheel all the way to the left or all the way to the right. Or they can go and forward can, and they can go reverse. <laughs> and you just need to you, you kind of need to like get it across that there it's a, are it's a car there that isn't a, there isn't a tap. Zero to see, it can only go zero or 60. Yeah, there is yeah. no tap the brakes. <laughs> There's so. no tap the brakes slow down a little. It's 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 all or nothing. It goes back and forth like on a dime. And and you know, we've seen that before historically. They'll come out with something and people will get tired of it or they'll say that they didn't enjoy it or what and they'll just put the kibosh on it entirely. Instead of, you know, just dialing it back a little bit or coming up with a different, I mean, scenarios. If they had introduced scenarios, if scenarios were in Warlords of Draenor, I'd probably be a little happier with the expansion as a whole. Because I loved those things in this. I I don't know why they weren't in in Warlords. They're great. But okay. Scenarios were a weird one. Because I started out saying, yeah, we're really happy with scenarios. We'd love to add I'm never getting to that next email. And then they went, uh, never mind. We weren't really fans of scenarios. We're never doing them again. Get to the next email. Do it. (laughs) The next email is not signed, unfortunately, but uh, it's a Diablo question. So I was like, yay, a Diablo question. Cool. A couple Diablo lore questions. Our player characters in Diablo 3 are clearly Nephilim, but from what I gather, Nephilim only started appearing after Worldstone is destroyed in the Diablo 2 expansion. So are characters in Diablo 1 slash 2 just really awesome humans? Also, based on the Diablo timeline, I'm looking at the Worldstone is destroyed in 1265, and our player characters arrive in New Tristram at 1285. That means all of our player characters have to have been born in 1265 or after. So are all player characters are at oldest 20? The barbarian male looks pretty ragged for 20. Uh, I understand your problem. The only thing that the Worldstone's destruction did was allow people to access their Nephilim birthright. Here's the thing. Nephilim are just awesome humans. Yeah. Because that's what humans are. Humans are, in fact, in fact, it's the other way around. Humans are really crappy Nephilim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Worldstone was created by back when the dawn of creation, when, when uh, Anu and Tathamet met in final battle and destroyed each other. Uh, it is all that's left of the pure Anu that created all existence. It is, and, it, and when I say is, I'm not saying was, I'm saying is for a reason. It is the eye of Anu. And when it's destroyed by Tyrael, he did that to basically keep Baal from corrupting it and to keep it from affecting the world that it is it'd be created. The Worldstone created Sanctuary. Uh, Inarius and uh, Lilith together created Sanctuary using the Worldstone. When it was destroyed, essentially its power passed forth into its creation. And the humans of Sanctuary are the greatest, for lack of a better word, the most final fulfillment of Anu's existence because devils and angels in the Diablo setting are only one half. The angels all come from Anu. They all come from the Crystal Arch. Demons all come from Tathamet. They all come from Tathamet's ruined corpse that crashed into what became the Burning Hells. Humans have both the, the potential for ultimate evil and ultimate good within them at any given time. All humans. What the Nephilim are are humans that can access that power. They can reach into themselves and access the, the, the power that Anu had before he created Tathamet and split himself into good and evil. I kind of want to equate this. I kind of want to equate this to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I don't know if either one of you would actually get that reference. Well, I mean, I think it's. I mean, there are a there are a lot of words that are new to me in Rossi's explanation, but from playing Reaper of Souls, the simplest explanation I got out of it is none of this would 
I mean, the the most bare bones. If the world bones. stone wasn't there, if the world stone wasn't there, you couldn't access all that Nephilim power, but you'd still be alive. I mean, an, an angel and a demon did stuff, and then there are humans with angelic and demonic power, and they're the Nephilim, and that's a very common thing in stories with humans and demons, where there's a child or angels and demons. The child of an angel and the child of a demon is a Nephilim. That's just a yeah. thing. And here, in the in the case of this, your characters were not necessarily only born 20 years ago. Uh, the male barbarian is extremely old, and wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They don't actually say he's the barbarian from Diablo 2, but they're not saying he isn't either. He, originally, he was going to be. There were going to be story beats that would just be there for that barbarian saying, we remember you from this, but they, they couldn't make it work in the amount of time they had to run the game and get it out. So they caught it and they just, you know, he, he's just a, a barbarian and you can think what you like about him. But yeah, he's old. He's at least 60. He's not a young dude. Can None I make, of these people. Can, can oh, I go. make, can I make my Buffy comparison? Yeah. Okay. So in Buffy, the vampire slayer, the big thing about being a vampire slayer is that, Unto every generation, a slayer is chosen. But the thing is, is like only one is chosen and there's hundreds upon hundreds upon however many of potential people that could be a slayer. They just one rises above the other one, right? At the end of the series, they unlocked all of those potential slayers so that every single one of them could be a slayer. They all access the Slayer powers. So that's kind of what happened when the World Stone was destroyed. Everybody that could potentially be a Nephilim had that unlocked. Yeah, because the so World Stone. So age doesn't actively, really matter. The World Stone was actively keeping them down. It wasn't a, ca a case of, okay, now the World Stone's gone, we can be Nephilim. It was a case of the World Stone was actively altering sanctuary so that Nephilim were few and far between and that most people were just humans. With it gone. Everybody like Anne's analogy is actually really apt because now everybody who's got even a glimmer can possibly unlock it. It just and, unlocked for them all just in that moment. Yeah. Boom. Another example of the Nephilim thing that uh, is near and dear to my heart because I'm a fan of the series is Devil May Cry. Uh, Dante yeah. and Virgil are the twin children of the devil Sparta and the angel Eva, and they're called Nephilim. Like being Nephilim is a thing. Like that's that's not it's out of the Bible. To, it's yeah. actually out of the apocrypha of the Bible, the Book of Enoch. Right. So, uh, so, so Nephilim usually, is a common trope at this point. Off, often Nephilim are, at least in biblical slash apocryphal biblical uh, stories, Nephilim are actually the children of humans and angels. But sometimes it's angels. It's some hybrid involving but some rate, combination of human, angel, and devil. The point is your character does not have to be at the oldest 20. That Your character can be much older. Your barbarian is much older than 20. He's not like me. And he's like in his 40s, but looks to be 107. He's he actually has lived that amount. Um, and your your characters in Diablo one slash two. Well, your character in Diablo one, I you know those are just characters, but humans in general are just less awesome Nephilim. That's just what everybody is. Yeah. Every, everybody could be a Nephilim. So uh, next email is from Callan. A human warrior on Moonrunner US. And hello, host type people. I'm one of those folks who's long been more comfortable at range, whether DPS or healing. Lately, I've experimented with several melee specs and I've fallen in love with this protection war. I'll pause here to let Rossi be happy. Thanks. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Uh, as I write this, uh, Callan is 87 and I've taken initial pokes at Outland raids and between bouts of leveling. Here's my question. 
What raid bosses in later expansions, Wrath, Cataclysm, Mists, have features that work easier or harder for melee? Like, I know that I'll spend extra time chasing down Anixia while not having to mess with my non-existent pet while dealing with uh, Kael'thas. What else should be on my menu? Thanks. Regards, Kalen. Um, did you, either of you want to well, go with this? For, for going backwards, um, I don't know. I don't do that a lot, so I don't know how many of those older raid bosses are still difficult. But I know at the time of doing them, I hated a lot of Cataclysm raiding. It was so brutal to melee, and I was playing my Rep Paladin at the time, and, uh, like, who's that guy with all the, like, the alchemist guy in Black Wing? Oh, Meloriac. No, Meloriac. I'm just going to stop you here, Alex. Everything Alex is about to say is true, but it is no longer a concern at level 100. You will destroy all of these yeah. guys. At level 100, level you're probably not going to have a problem. He's level 87, though, right. so. Yeah. But 87, he can't, he can't even do Cataclysm yet. No. He's not. I'm assuming he's talking once he gets up to max level. If yeah. you're talking about right now at level 87, no, you can't even do Cataclysm. Yeah. The, uh, the vast majority of Cataclysm rating seemed custom-made to make melee life miserable. At least the first uh, the first tier of rating in Cataclysm is absolutely the case. Firelands was just terrible for everybody. Like, it was equally terrible. <laughs> Everything for was on fire. It was that guy bad. where you had to steer him by the feet Rylith. was so, yeah. so dumb. Oh, my God. But it wasn't any harder for melee than it was for range. I'll so. note Cataclysm is the expansion where I stopped rating. <laughs> so but maybe first, this was a contributing factor. The first tier of Cataclysm rating, absolutely what he's saying is true, um, but you will annihilate it at level 100. You will just walk through it. The only raid in Cataclysm that will give you any trouble is um, the last raid, um, um, Dragon Soul. And that's because Deathwing's two fights are very gimmicky. Yeah. Especially Spine. Spine is a nightmare. Spine is a nightmare for anybody. Nobody spine, likes to like, spine. Yeah, you kind of have to like ping pong back and forth and be really strategic. It's a challenge. Can you do it? Yeah. yeah. Is it difficult? Very much. So. As far as Mists is concerned, I have a friend who's a tank, and he, he's a warrior tank for that matter, and he soloed up to um, Throne of Thunder. So you can solo up to Throne of Thunder pretty if you work your abilities properly. It's doable. Anything below Cataclysm, or we'll just say it, once you get Firelands and below is nothing. You will destroy it. There is nothing that will challenge you in any way, shape, or form unless it's an outright gimmick. Even fights that like Lady Vosh, you can now kill Vosh before she gets her bubble up. You can I... kill Vosh she does she does anything i i would say though if you want like suggestions for raids that you should hit ulduar was excellent ice crown citadel was excellent you could probably skip trial of the champion unless you're really interested in fighting in a round room for an hour or so um or if you like transmog. i haven't or, managed or if you like to pull off, i haven't managed to pull off getting vosh to bubble it's doable i've i've done it just i wish i could have do to it because it handling because getting rid of that bubble takes away too well you Serpent have a warrior trying, right Serpent Shrine is really fun, though. Serpent Shrine is fun. Um, as far as Cataclysm raids go, it, Rossi's right. At level 100, you just kind of blow through everything. I play a rogue. I don't even play a tank. And yeah. and I got through Blackwing Descent just fine. Even Meloriac, and I was worried about Meloriac because Alex is also right. That fight was painful. <laughs> no, the only thing you have to do with Meloriac is make sure you have enough damage to kill him fast enough. Yeah. And And that's it. Yeah, and you just walk right through. And you will, you will, in any decent amount of gear you'll have. I mean, I'm not even raiding this expansion, but I blew through that thing like I had buzz saws on my arms. So I mean, it wasn't really difficult at all. Mists is mists raids are good, and honestly, I think even if you can't solo them, find a few people to cut through them with. 
just because they're entertaining. Um, the difference between yeah, the only difference between mists and cataclysms and stuff is uh, mists is where the built-in mechanics that make you a god against lower-level stuff stops. Yeah. So when you go into mists at level 100, you're only as much better than the raid as a level 100 character is over a level 90 raid. You're not like a demigod like you will be in Cataclysm raids. You will you, you will be practically unkillable in Cataclysm compared to Miss raids. You have to work to do like say the Stone Guard because Stone Guard's actually like really it's still got the mechanics you have to deal with. A lot of the fights you'll have to actually get the mechanics, uh, but it's still doable. Like uh, this first tier of Miss raiding is still doable. But yeah, um, Mist Raids, I think, I, I enjoyed most of them. The only one that I didn't really, like, thoroughly enjoy was the first one. The one with the Stone Guards. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I so, liked it. It was okay, but it wasn't, like, I, I really honestly, liked Heart of Fear, and I really liked Throne of Thunder. I liked the last fight in Mogushan Vaults. Yeah. Because you get to you get to see the engine of Nalek Shock in action, and you get to see, it. it's really funny because the end of that, of that dungeon the end of that raid is exactly like um what do you call it uh the halls of stone with the the big press that makes earthen yeah it's exactly the same except with mogu and that's when you start figuring out oh they're a titan <laughs> construct oh, oh hey there's a connection here yeah it's actually yeah. pretty cool but i i mean i most the, of the mist raids see, yeah, yeah it, it i think and i think part of that too was just kind of like general burnout at the beginning of mists but i mean all of the fights in mists are pretty fun i cataclysm there were some raids that i would take or leave like firelands i wouldn't really recommend hey you should go do firelands it's awesome but i would say um oh i really liked uh is it vortex pinnacle the one with you you were talking the one with um with actually which actually has alakir in it yeah the one with Alec. I don't remember the I don't remember if the name of it. It's not Vortex Pinnacle. That's a five man. That's a five. But it's the it's the other it's version something of something of the four winds. Throne of the four winds. Throne of the four winds. Yeah. I liked that one. That one was it was tough to do solo, but I managed to solo it as a rogue. So warrior. I'm surprised you really can do it solo. Yeah, you can. Doesn't, it's doesn't crazy stuff happen if you don't have people on platform. Hey, you have to you have to move really fast. You have to you have to kill things quick, and so it's kind of like a race. But once if you can beat the I think that's part of the fun of it is it's a race. <laughs> and I, and if, I you know, like scenery there too. Yeah. If you're not feeling it in terms of doing it with just one person, bring in just one more person and it's, it's a cakewalk. Yeah. You'll be At fine. Two people. Yeah. We'll just destroy it. Um, in general, though, I, yeah. <laughs> in general, I, I don't think there's anything that's particularly hard to do um, as a warrior, as opposed to other classes. Some classes have crazy self healing, but it's a prop warrior at this point, you've got a ton of absorbs. So you, you should be fine. Shouldn't be an issue. Uh, I guess we have time for one more email, right? Yeah, we sure. do. Okay, I'm gonna got go time with for a couple because we had like an interruption. Okay, good. I'm gonna try. Yeah, I'm gonna try this one from um, Vesuvius. Uh oh. That one's for you. complicated. Yeah. Well, here we go. I suppose my question is simply why. I'm glad Blizzard are adding more content, but there seems to be a lot of questions in the new patch that should be answered. Why take a mount people were excited to buy in the store and make it a reward for hardcore raiders? Why change how gear progression works mid-tier? Why reintroduce game systems that less than a year ago were being removed to improve the game? I don't want to feel cynical about new content, but without context, it seems like they're artificially extending the life of Hellfire Citadel. Thank you for your time and looking forward to your thoughts. Vesuvius, P.S. I realize this is actually a simple question, if that I apologize. I feel I'm like just we say already this. addressed this at the beginning of the show, and we addressed it last week. I'm just going to say this straight up. It, it is to artificially extend the life of Hellfire Citadel. That's what it feels like. That's my opinion. I, mean, I, I don't I don't 
want to be cynical, even though I have been hilariously cynical lately. But that's just how I feel right now. Um, no, is, that... it, is it cynical, really? I mean, it would be cynical if you were doing this with them, like, denying it tooth and nail. But have they really fought this idea? Well, for example, when they brought mentioned Valor points, they specifically stated that a lot of the things in this patch were to to provide dungeon content for people who like dungeons. I was like, but I like dungeons, and none of this seems helpful to me. So um, maybe I'm just fundamentally not understanding what they're trying to do. See, honestly, for me, with the Valor Points thing, the, the, I'm not as upset about the Valor Point reintroduction as other people are because the way they're introducing it, it it's kind of nuanced and it has a lot of different ways you can do it, and it's not the grind it used to be. But here's my problem with Valor Points in a nutshell. It, they have one use. One use. That's all they have. All they are is a gear upgrade system. And when they introduced gear upgrading last expansion, they were up front about what gear upgrading does. Gear upgrading nerfs content. Yeah. It is a way to allow you to get stronger to to make content easier without putting in a you know a a a, ner- a, a stacking nerf over time on a raid. That's what it does. This is not for me. I don't feel cynical here because they've said this. This is this is me quoting them. This isn't like me pulling like a tinfoil hat out and like going, they're gonna they're just nerfing the content. That's what this is their stated aim. One of the reasons gear upgrading existed ever was to do that. And yeah, I don't, that's why I've been like, how is any of this for people who do dungeons? Because it feels like yeah, you can get these points in dungeons, but I feel like it applies the least to people who do those dungeons. It, it applies is, to like those I people. Said, like I said, it serves as a slight nerf to Mythic Dungeons, and I do think they want to get people into Mythic Dungeons. I think that they, the, one of the problems with Mythic Dungeons is they're really good in a lot of ways. They're a lot of fun, but they're not pug-friendly, and, and World of Warcraft has become a very puggable game. It, Mythic Dungeons, when they added them, it felt like they wanted dungeons to also have a hardcore endgame. But I enjoyed Dungeons because it wasn't. Yeah, my only problem with Dungeons in this expansion, though, has been that they has no replayability. Yes, because because, you, there's... because the other use of Valor Points outside of item upgrades, it just wasn't there. Uh, yeah. There's no, there's no reason to go to them. They didn't include a reason to do these things. And gear that outpaced or the original Hero of Dungeons came so easily through the garrisons that they invalidated their own dungeons. Yeah, and this is the thing is, as much as I thought there is a problem at the end of every expansion of going back to Wrath in that you would quickly way out gear heroic dungeon. This happened in Wrath. This happened in Cataclysm. This happened in this. By the end of Mists, dungeons were a joke that you blew yeah, up. But there, there the, was no. But the what happened here? Yeah, what happened in Warlords is dungeons became completely superfluous. At least back at the end of Mists, yes, dungeons were a joke that we only ran for Valor, but we ran them. Right. And in, in this, this expansion, expansion, you even you hit level 100, and if you've been doing your trade skills while leveling, you probably have some gear that's already better than heroic dungeon gear by the time you hit 100. Even if you don't, uh, you could certainly before 6.2 dropped. Even if you didn't like work your trade skills enough, you could quickly just through questing hit the point where you could you know you'd have gear on par with heroic dungeon. Yeah. Because you're going to get a couple of ones that that drop epic or blue. Instead of green, you're going to, you know, it just happens. And it's just, it's one of the situations where it felt like they put in a lot of stuff that was really good. Like, in the, I like the upgraded, like, you know, quest gear. I like that. You can get a better drop. 
I think that's really cool. Right. Yeah. But they didn't they didn't like comp- compensate for it in dungeon design. Dungeon design is where I feel like if mythic dungeons had existed earlier, it might have helped. It might have been something people wanted to do. But it, it's the kind of thing that you, I don't think you can drop it mid mid you know expansion like they have. Yeah, I think it was. Um, you have to do those proving grounds to be able to queue for dungeons at all at level 100 for heroic yeah. dungeons. Yeah, and, and the reward for, for that the reward for that is a weapon. Uh-huh. I triggered a epic upgrade on that weapon. So the yeah. weapon I got from the quest to get permission to do those dungeons was better than what would drop in those dungeons. Yeah, that happened to me too. Uh, I got to do axe. That was, I think it was like exactly as good as what drops in those dungeons. So I'm like, okay, yeah. that's done. And hilariously, you could queue for LFR without doing those proven grounds. So I know people who did LFR and got raid gear before they were even able to queue for dungeons, which give worse gear. That that was another thing where I feel like they didn't quite they didn't compensate properly. Like if the proving ground quest existed, and I, I get that you know why it existed, it should have existed. It didn't need to exist when they'd already made the dungeons not profitable to run. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the reason that proving ground existed because a lot of people were just going into dungeons and blowing them up and not paying attention to their role. But that wasn't because necessarily they didn't know how to play the game. It was because they didn't care. Because they were like, I'm in um, Siege of Orgrimmar heroic raid gear. I don't care about this dungeon. I just want my valor. And in, in, I wonder also if it was kind of a, something they added because of the level 90 boost. And that potentially you could have never done a dungeon as that character until you hit level 100. And that makes sense. But if you don't put it in for LFR as well. Right. The, the fact that it wasn't there for LFR was what was like, what? Yeah, because you just went to, you went to LFR. That's what you did. That's what everybody did. Um, I didn't because I don't like LFR to the point where I will avoid it at all costs. Like I won't, I'll run it once. Uh, if I can't, if I know I won't be able to raid it, I'll run it to see the, the you know, to see the stuff because I have a guild that I can run the raid with if I want to. I almost never do LFR and right. it's actually hurt me this expansion because it's put me way behind on the legendary rank because I just don't care enough. And that's my problem and no one else's, but nevertheless, LFR has essentially replaced dungeons and it still has um, a lot of the neat stuff they've put in would be fine if LFR hadn't become the progression path. I, I do honestly feel like dungeon loot should just be on par with LFR, if not better. I mean, well, my, thing personal, is too, my personal experience is LFR was a lot easier than some of those dungeons. Yeah, I can, I can concur. I mean, with at that. the beginning of the expansion anyway, uh, for example, the, the, was it? Grimrail Depot. Oh, I was going to say slag mines. The, slag the train mines. one. The train one at the start of the expansion, that one could be pretty darn hard. Especially yeah, especially because that burning oil would sometimes spawn under the floor and you couldn't yeah. see it and you would die. That was yeah. a lot harder than just going in LFR and killing some bosses. See, for me, it was slag mines because there was that last fight at the end where being in melee was just torture. Yeah. It was just torture. Oh, God. But I mean, I think it honestly, um, I, I honestly feel like in the past. Like before we had LFR dungeons, we kept getting new dungeons and the dungeon gear would increase. Like we saw this both in Wrath and in Kata where yeah. gear got better as new dungeons came out. And that was your progression path. And that worked. And even in Cataclysm, when we had LFR, it still worked. The dungeons had better gear as, as you ran newer ones. Mm-hmm. I feel like like Warlords, by not having any new dungeons ever, like we had launch dungeons and that's it. And then right. we had... Time walking has kind of ameliorated that because the gear in time walking is a step is a step or two up and can be even better because it can be warforged. But it's still it, it still left a hole. And the problem with that with that kind of thing is that sometimes the effect of that 
carries forward. I feel like Anne didn't say anything that whole time, and I'm terrified. I didn't say anything because we're beating a dead horse that we've already beaten to death, and I had no input. Like we've <laughs> already talked here. about all of this before. I don't under like. Look, there's so, still some meat on that bone, and I'm gonna beat it till it's gone. <laughs> Do we have another email one that doesn't have anything to do with this topic? Because I feel like we've spent like the majority of the podcast talking about this one thing, and I'm tired uh, of talking have, about it. We've got a we've got a Vinda's email, um, which is greetings, watchers. Today I was thinking about sub races and what sub races could be for each race. Being a Draenei myself, I thought of what would be the sub race for Draenei. Broken came to mind first, but then I thought about purple Draenei and white Draenei and wondered if that could be expanded on. Perhaps purple are from jungles and deserts and white are from snowy regions of, of Argus. What sub races do you think could be added to the game? Perhaps humans based on the, the nations they are from? Uh, Avinda. I don't, my gosh, I, don't I have something to say about this. Okay. Okay, so there was this whole thing when the expansion came out where people like latched onto the Arakoa because they thought the Arakoa were really cool. And then they started drawing different versions of the Arakoa. So like up in Frostfire Ridge, they drew like Snowy Owl Arakoa for that particular region. And then like Nagrand, they drew ones that look like hawks. It was just like, it was this really cool sort of, oh man, I wish they'd run with that because that actually looks really neat. Yeah, um, even if not explicit sub races just more character creation options would be cool like just let people have brown orcs now i'm okay with that give people tattoos give people uh dwarves that can be wild hammers with tattoos or dark irons with that kind of gray you talk skin. about that gal with the tattoos in the pirate camp every week on the re- level yeah. stream <laughs> i mean i do because raf i remember raf coming out and um, humans with tattoos or something, I recall them showing off quite a bit. There's, I think there's men and women with tattoos, and they're in um, Grizzly Hills. And if I recall, around the time of Wrath of the Lich King, people were like, can players have those? And the devs were like, yeah, maybe. We'll think about that. And nothing ever came. And it so. never happened. <laughs> right. Well, that's like, that was the same time that they came out with the, they had the dwarfs with tattoos as well. And they had the Grim Totem face paint for some Tauren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which never happened. Never got that. It'd be cool if they I mean, could I add right stuff there. like that in. Because that's like stuff you could add into the barbershop and boom, the barbershop's relevant again. I would love to see that. Uh, I, don't people... think, I don't think we'd ever get Tonka because A, Tonka are based on a really specific archetype. And B, the Tonka head is a mask you put over a Tauren head. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like that's actually that's like wearing a helmet that's Tonka shaped. So yeah, I, I don't think and we're And Lady get Tonka that. looked just like Tauren. Yeah, they're just, they're just Tauren. <laughs> And I've, I'm one of the, I'm not going to get into a huge conversation about Wildstar, but one of the things you can do in Wildstar, I noticed when I created um, an Auron, is I could pick what earrings I was wearing. That was cool. You could pick earrings. It's well, such a tiny pick, detail. You can pick but different it earrings. Like if you're, if you're playing um, a Blood Elf, there's a bunch of different earrings that you can choose from. I know on humans, there's earring placement. Like you can have, oh, do I want nose rings? Do I want. Do I want two. Do I want things two in my upper do ear? I do I want big poop? Yeah, with with blood elves, you can pick. There's like a selection of different earrings that you can cycle through. There's like big gold hoops, or there's like little green bead ones, or you know. I think humans only get silver hoops, if I recall. You yeah. Can't change like. There's no. What color. if I want a gold hoop? Nope. Why can't? How come you can't have the earrings, whatever your gender is? Like you know, how hard is that? Why can't we yeah. have you know just earrings? Big pierced dudes, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think you would need to. Like I said, I don't think you would need to announce them as a brand new race or sub race. I think you can just add more options that would fit those things. Yeah, I don't think purple Drana and white Drana are actually sub races. I just think that skin tones, man. 
more skin tones that's would all be I'm cool saying. though i'd like to see pink hair yeah. for granai and i know we have at least one person on staff who's really rabid about the idea of seeing that noxie <laughs> anyway yeah. well that was that was on the beta wasn't it uh, if for a little while, for a little while, it looked pink. Yeah. It wasn't properly pink, but in certain lighting, it looked pink, and it looked Whatever. really good. It looked really good. They should add that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, quite frankly, I'd love there to be more character customization options. Uh, one of the things I wanted to see during the garrison thing is that I think there should be more. There should have been more garrison customization options. Quite frankly, uh, and that would have gotten people out of the garrison. And, you know, I'd love it if we could go find tattoos and hairstyles in the world. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, when you got done killing a boss, he dropped a hairstyle? He dro- Wouldn't it be cool if he dropped his scalp and you could wear it? Oh, oh no, be- <laughs> we, no. had, we had that in Firelands. There was that Firelands <laughs> boss who dropped a helmet that was his head. Ugh. That was, it was his face. Terrible. But, I mean, I seriously, like, I, I'm going back to Fable here because, man, why well, we're going back a while, but... In the original Fable, they just, throughout the world, there were, like, tattoo and mustache cards and beard cards and hairstyle yeah. cards. And I think that would be great if you could do that in World of Warcraft. Like, if sort you got like done... collecting the music kill, kill. on you, you collect... Yeah. It's like reference cards for the barber. Here, cut yeah, my hair like go, this. <laughs> yeah. like, like, you kill Kael'thas and you get his, like, you get his original hairstyle. Then you kill Kael'thas and Magister Terrace and you get his I'm a, I'm a half-demon now hairstyle. Yeah, you know stuff like that. And it's just a card. You take it to the barber and you go, "Look, see this? See this or, hairstyle? Can you cut my hair like this? Yes, you can." Or you get it as loot, and I don't know. You learn it, and then you—I guess you learn it, and then you can really describe it well. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not care. You know, I don't know why killing a boss would allow me to finally get my nose pierced, but if it does, I mean, why not? You could just have like a tattoo portfolio that as you find it's, the it's design. It's a flash sheet. It's a flash down. sheet. It's just a tattoo yeah. flash sheet. You go, wow, I saw this guy's art. It looked really cool. Here's the flash design for it. Put it on my body. And that'd See, be cool. you can totally make content out of this stuff. Add customization options. Make me go get my tattoo. It'd be fun. I'll do it. But at that point, I think, um, I believe we're done. So uh, that wraps us up for today, I'm supposed to say. And uh, Anne, would you like to tell our listeners about how they can join our team and support Blizzard Watch? Absolutely. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you. Uh, that's really, I think you got to say, man, just getting the lore thing, you do it just for that. <laughs> lore watch uh, this week was very crazy and if you are a patreon supporter you can get access to that right now otherwise we'll release it on yeah. sunday on the site so and you can also support but, us for signing up that free trial at audible at blizzardwatch.com slash audible yeah okay if you have any if you have any questions you want us to talk about because we didn't really do that um you send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com we love getting questions we love talking about them and we'll see you next week tired to clean your floors after playtime forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over let eufy x10 pro omni help powerful 8000 pa suction removes debris and mop master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease save time and keep your floors cleaner want to know more go to eufy.com that's eufy.com and discover x10 pro omni the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only 799 dollars